This is Special Report. Neil Armstrong may have seen extraterrestrials on the moon. When he spies a discernible shape. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Full Spectrum Universe. Today is our debut on RU Media Network. As you can see back there, that's how we do it. It's how we do it. It's a pleasure to come to you on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. That's how we do it here. Uh, We've got a great, great show for you tonight. Since we are in a paranormal, debuting on a paranormal network, I've done my due diligence and I've gotten two of the best paranormal investigators. Uh, Actually, they are paranormal innovators, if I do say so myself. They are also hosts of the uh, Entity Voices Paranormal uh, Evidence. That is a show that they do. They are good friends of mine. Let me introduce you to them all. Hello, Ron Yacovetti and Lourdes Gonzalez. How are you today? Good, good. How are you? We're good. How are you doing? Great, great, great. We've got an awesome show for you. I apologize to Dave Wolliver. I tried to get the RU Media uh, insignia and logos to go up in the sense of the video that we usually play. It was not playing properly. I don't have the file, but that's okay. We're going to get to that a little bit later if we can. Uh, how are you guys tonight? Are you guys excited? Because this is going to be a phenomenal show. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this for a while. We've been talking uh, back and forth. Um, we saw when you guys started doing the show just, you know, out of the gate. So this is cool to see the growth that you've already done and putting good shows up. So we appreciate being part of it. Absolutely. We're excited. Thank you for having us. Absolutely, guys. It's kind of wild, guys, just to let everybody know how we came to know each other is before I even started doing any shows I was going to have Ron and Lourdes be my my first guests. So I contacted them. Things didn't line up properly for us to do that. But it's funny because usually before I do a show, I'll conference with somebody. We'll talk about things and get things situated. And they were like the first conference that I had too. So I was really, really nervous when I talked to them. But now I'm like in more, a little more in my groove. Episode number 14. We've done, you know, a, little, a couple of other episodes on a, a alternate network that I'm also on. But it's pretty wild how it comes full circle, and you guys are here tonight for the debut of uh, Full Spectrum Universe on this particular network, which is awesome. So, guys, if you're out there, please do me a favor. Facebook has kind of shut me down on sharing a little bit. Please like, share. Also, we have a uh, YouTube page, which is called Full Spectrum Universe as well, where you can get some of the episodes that predate this one. So, uh, right before we go into anything, Ron, I know you're doing... Uh, what is it, Gagnac Paranormal? Is that is that that's uh, something that you guys got going on? Why don't you explain to the people what that is? I'm going to set it up, and then I'm going to let her explain it because you used the word innovator before. And um, all right, briefly, yeah, she's the innovator. So um, you want me to do it so you can get them? To yeah, them? All I right. have to do that. But... So um, we ordered we ordered Uber Eats for, for dinner, and we're we're going to eat after. But I have my son with me, who's my heart and soul, and if he has kids, knows what that's like. I love my son more than anything in the world. Um, and we must feed him. And apparently when you have children, this is a parental tip from me to everybody out there. You have to feed them. 
they eat and more than once. It's a repetitive thing. So <laughs> we have food that's gonna be here in a moment. So Lourdes yeah. is gonna it's gonna step off camera. Yeah, let me for a just moment. let me take care of that. That's absolutely yeah. fine. It's absolutely fine. So uh, Gagnac came from I'll answer the question though because um you asked it and it's important. It is. She came up with that. She originally, because her name is Gonzalez, as mine is Yakovetti, and she came up with it for an email address. Gagnac something something Gmail, whatever she comes up with. So when we started doing, um, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, the direct radio voice work and research, um, to put up a YouTube channel just to start putting things up that we wanted to share, uh, I was trying to come up with a name for it. I mean, what's a good, if everything paranormal is taken, especially all the good stuff is taken, what are you, and it was like, oh, Gagnac, we'll go with, with the thing she came up with for the email address. And, and Gagnac sounds better than, you know, with her name first, than Yak Gone, because Yak Gone sounds like it's some kind of a thing to get rid of bugs in your house. Um, that is kind of true. It sounds it sounds a little crazy, but I like I like the name of it now. It's it's actually really good. It's so, it's memorable. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Anthony Seminelli's watching. Awesome too. Um, we do a lot of research with him too. So that's how that's how Ganyak got started. She she came up with the email address, and then I needed something for the YouTube label, and then there it was. That's that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Now I know you guys do the radio show too. I don't know if you want to wait for her to come back, but. You know, tell the people how you got started into that specific radio show. I know you guys did a couple of, I, I want to say, guest hosting here and there, but now you're a permanent resident. So let them yeah. know how that all went down. So um, Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence is a weekly, um, it's a video podcast like this that we do on every Wednesday night. The, um, the founders of Entity Voices Paranormal Investigations, who we also work with, uh, Tony and Sheree Rathman are out of um, Arizona. Uh, they run the old Phelps Dodge Hospital, which is now called the Copper Canyon Paranormal Research Center, um, which is in Ajo, Arizona. And so Tony and I are, are both um, ITC, EVP practitioners and researchers. And so, it, you know, if, if you're in a field and you're not just all about yourself, you, you, you know who else is out there. You know who else is doing good work. And, and so you follow each other. And um, we became familiar with each other. And then we became friends with each other. Um, the show also co-hosted by another couple who now just moved from Arizona, North Carolina, which is Chris Allgood and Audra Keeler, who are awesome people, really good investigators. And they had us on as guests for a show and it went so well. We had great chemistry. Um, we all really got along and, and the show flowed nicely. Um, the audience seemed to really like us all together. And so they, um, they bestowed on us the honor of inviting us to be part of the show regularly and then so we did it. And so now we're a weekly. It's hosted by it's cool. It's three couples. So if you tune into the show, we have the boxes here, which is you and I. It's it's three couples plus a guest. And if the guest is a couple, it looks like a dating show on a budget, which is nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I didn't even think about that. But it's really cool yeah. to see three different perspectives, especially when you're questioning like a guest or something like that. I think that three different perspectives really give it a, a kind of like a different feel. And people may think of things that other people may not think of. So it gives you a lot of uh, like a lot of a lot of coherency. But at the same time, it gives you a lot of angles to cover. You know what yeah, I yeah. mean? Spot on. It, it, it absolutely does. And one of the cool things is that like we did a we did a crossover podcast on on Strange Oddities podcast on Thursday night with all of the Entity Voices crew, all six of us, all three couples with the hosts of that show, Matthew J. Haas. And um he asked questions about science and the paranormal and stuff. And every one of us 
had a really in-depth answer that was not a mirror image of the one who went before them. So it was definitely the different perspective. And the other cool thing is, is that, you know, when you do paranormal stuff, that it's it's time and, and sometimes money consuming. And so when you do it with your significant other, um, as I point to an empty chair, <laughs> that's it, um, it. It makes it nice. It makes it a little bit easier to do because every every moment spent, every dollar spent, it's all that's also, as you said, cohesive. You have it's, it's an us thing. So you have three couples that are all doing the show together who also all do the investigative stuff together. And so it's a nice, a nice little thing to put together as a show that how it formed, I guess. And, and we're grateful to be part of it. That's, that's really awesome. That's really awesome. It is, it, it is doing this line of work. I will tell you that my girlfriend is not into the podcasting, the broadcasting or anything like that. So I do three shows a week now, Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. It's very difficult to find that uh, that balance, you know. So you guys doing that? I mean, that's. I wish I, I wish she would do it with me because it's a spectacular, like I said, dynamic in the sense that you guys get to spend all this time together. You do investigations together. You do your research together, and the things that you know what we'll talk about a little bit later, and the what what you've been innovating and what you've been putting to practice, which is really really exceptional. I think that that's one of the reasons that. I wanted you so bad on my debut is because you're bringing something a, a little bit different to the table. And I think that people should really heed what you're doing and take it into consideration to further their investigation as well. Personally, I am not super big into the investigation. I've never been on an investigation. I'm not very big in the, uh, in the, uh, I want to say like the pretty much the investigation side of what we, of an investigation pretty much. I'm more of like a spiritual side of things. I look at how, uh, maybe these ghosts are, or entities, whatever you may call them. I don't want to be, you know, I want to make sure I stick to the right terminology, especially being on a paranormal uh, network now. But, you know, I, I'm more of the spiritual side of maybe why they're there, what happened to them, maybe the history of why they might be there and the hauntings and things like that. That kind of stuff is really what interests me. But you know, it's it's definitely I, I I really admire the fact that you guys are doing that together, and it's it's super cool. It's super cool. No, we so. appreciate the thing. We appreciate the kind words too. It's um just by your explanation of that, which shows everybody watching, dude. It, it's a complex field. It's not it's not as um it, like for us. First of all, for us, it's not belief based. We have uh, thoughts and opinions and conclusions based on stuff we've done and experience, but. It's not a it's not a, like a faith based belief thing for us. It's based on, on empirical evidence, empirical experience and data, stuff that we can actually say that we did and experience. Um, but it's funny because I, I've been I've been places before where, you know, you go to work and then somebody goes, oh, please don't tell me you believe in ghosts. And my first question is define ghost, because if you think it's just believing in something that you see like an apparition, then then. We need to have uh, a little hiatus so you can catch up on the research, and then we'll have a discussion. But there's there's a lot more to it than just that. But absolutely, absolutely, there's a whole there's a whole functioning community behind it. And when they say something like that, they're kind of downplaying what you enjoy at the same time. So there is so you know I would butt heads with that person. I, oh, right off the bat, I'd be like, listen, you could take that that point of view and pretty much stick it where the sun don't shine, but. You know, I I get that because I have I'm, by trade I'm a historian. I like to investigate and do research. That's just what I do. You know, so I can understand that. You know, and 
we'll get to it again, like I said later, but what you do is pretty amazing because you're researching something and putting it forward. So there's an explanation, but there's also a history behind these places that you go to. There's also a history in helping people because a lot of these paranormal teams go into places that a lot of people would see something or hear something and run right out. So yeah. you're actually going in there with a brass set and trying to take care of business and help these people identify the history of what may be haunting them or what's, you know, what's what's causing the disruption in their households or their places. And that's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. I mean, it's really, I think that's phenomenal. There's three R's to this as far as I'm concerned, categorically speaking. There's there's research, rescue, and and um, I forgot the third R. <laughs> um, research is what we do. We do weekly stuff. We log data. We're doing it for investigative purposes to to figure out how things work, why things work, who we're communicating with, how, how all that goes down. Um, rescue is when you're going in if it's, you know, to – to help somebody, if like you said, if it's if it's a family in need or whatever, and then the the third aspect of it is is and I'm trying to remember what the, the R was for is, is it's the historical side. Sometimes we go to to places that have historical significance. We were recently at Selma Mansion, uh, Haldeman Mansion. Uh, we've done the Queen Mary in California before. So sometimes it's it's for if we go out on the field, it's it's research in the field. We're we're doing something that may be more specific to the location. What the history is there. And then that's part of what we look for or, or we try to document and correlate with what the historians may tell us. Um, every week, the stuff that we do that we'll get into, we do it every week here for a couple hours, at least once a week, if not more now, since life changed and we're indoors more. Um, we've done more research and we do regular sittings. And that's a whole other aspect to it that we do for just for the understanding of and putting forth, I guess, a lot of the methodologies that we've learned and seeing how they work and testing things and right. Yes. We schedule it every week. We try to make it the same day every week so we can have a routine as well. And it's, it's about the intent and us wanting to communicate. And so we try to make it as a routine so it could be easier for them to find us and communicate with us. Absolutely. Why don't you guys get into the story of how you met, and or first, let's get into what got you into the paranormal, and then segue into how you met and how it it bonds you two together. Because I know it does. I definitely know it does. I can see it. So why don't, why don't you get into that? I'll let you guys take the full screen for a little while too, so you the people can see you. There oh, you that's go. Fr- <laughs> that's we're even frightened. That's the one thing that frightens us. You just found it. No, a- come on, come on. <laughs> you start, you start. Looking at us, <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I used to live in Los Angeles. I'm in New Jersey is uh, where I'm originally from. I started in LA. I was dating somebody at the time. We watched none of the same stuff on TV. We had 8,000 cable channels. Couldn't agree on anything until Ghost Adventures. I'm like, oh, you'll watch that? Started watching it. Found out a lot of the places that they were doing on the show at that season were close. Within a couple hours, we could drive to. So I started investigating there. And then by the time I um, moved back here, uh, I had been already on a team there, which I only vacated because I moved back here. Um, we met about two years after I moved back. I was out there from 2000 to 2014. I've probably done more hours on the Queen Mary collectively than I've done almost everywhere else combined because <laughs> I used to go all the time. It's a fantastic place. Highly recommend. Can't wait till it reopens and we can head back out there. Um, two years after I moved back in 2014, we met, started dating 
found out she had an affinity and some experience with paranormal. And then I got her involved. You're up. <laughs> so I had a lot of paranormal experiences as a child. So one of them actually uh, in Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence, it was the first time when I told the public about um, a spirit jumping into my mom and me and my brother seeing that. And we were very young and it was like, um, it was a traumatic experience for us. So um, I was always interested in the paranormal, but I never really dove into it until I met him in 2016. And the way we met was on a dating app. We, we, I was looking through, I was like, oh, he's a, he's a ghost hunter. That sounds interesting. <laughs> and that's how we met. And then we started going into investigations and then just getting more into it. And then we started the research with the direct radio voice. and. And we get really good responses. It's just really fascinating. And I just love doing it with him because I think we have a good connection. And that's why we do get really good responses. I think so, too. I think there's there's a lot to what you guys, the affinity you have for each other that really brings more out in a situation. I really do because they. I feel that a lot of these entities and things like that, we'll go back to the, to the double screen since I'm talking now, but I think that they, they feed off of... Uh, vibrations right and they can feel energies and energy fields electromagnetic like electromagnetic electromagnetic fields and when you two are together i believe that you resonate at a higher frequency together because of your emotions and the way that you feel towards each other they kind of feel that and they may actually come out more because they feel this bond between you that's maybe more of a of a vibe that's like of a loving thing or something like that you know what i mean so it's uh I think that that's it's really it's really phenomenal. I think it's really phenomenal. It's a measurable effect to one of the physicists um who sat in on the skull experiment who since uh, sadly passed away, I'm not sure not too long ago, um named Rupert Sheldrick. He sat in on the skull experiment. He was um one of the three members of the Society of Psychical Research out of the UK who sat in on skull um which in and of itself phenomenal <laughs> experiment over 5 years. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake used to refer to the intent energy, and and it, and it's it's measurable for one, and and you can tell like if you're ever around somebody and they're just like irritated and angry sometimes without even speaking and not seeing their face, you can feel it sometimes. It can be palpable. So Rupert Sheldrake referred to that as uh, as morphogenic fields, as as because we are all conductors of electric current. Right? We run on DC current technically, right? So he felt that 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 was part of how we kind of plug into the equation. And even one of the earlier EVP researchers, uh, Constantine Rodaway would say that that was one of the benefits to the work. And then one of the detriments too in assessing the work, because it's hard to, to fully objectively assess the equation when you in fact are one of the ingredients or parts of it. And we are. And in that, in that aspect, that is part of it too. And we think collectively we do get more than when we've, I've done stuff individually before. Um, some of it, some of it humorous in the responses we got. Um, we we do a lot of work with Anthony Anthony Simonelli from Seekers Club, the Paranormal out of, out of Queens. He loves and, you guys, as you can see here. Ron and Lourdes here are the best I ever, best people I ever met. They are awesome investigators. He's a, he's family for us. Yeah, yeah. We, we love Anthony. So we talk all the time. He remotes in like this through uh, Google Duo or something. We have him remote into our direct radio sessions when we do them, and. Um, one night, she uh, she and I are about to move in together. We've been together for a while. 
And uh, she went to her place, which at the moment now is like three minutes away. So I'm by myself. My son wasn't here. She wasn't here. And I'm like, you know what? I just got the instinct. Let me turn on the radio. So I turned on the radio. I was like, because I'm speaking to spirit, trying to get vocals. And I said, um, hey, I'm just trying to communicate like that. You know, just uh, I usually do this with someone else. My girlfriend usually does this with me. Um, could you tell me your name? And so when I reviewed the recording, it said Anthony. <laughs> wow. And she couldn't stop laughing. You, because I joke with him all the time. If I'm not here, he's either talking on the phone with Anthony or they're doing something together or they're smoking a cigar, whatever it is. So I joke around all the time. You're with your other girlfriend. So I guess, <laughs> I guess the spirits hear us. So they got in the joke too. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's funny. That's funny. You guys are getting a lot of love in the comments. I don't know if you're seeing it. We oh, got Ronnie Ronnie. Anderson. Ronnie, April. April. April so, as well. I love I love this platform for that reason. We see we can see that Ronnie Anderson is a fantastic investigator. He's down by was he bumping by North Carolina, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He was on uh on um Strange Oddities podcast with Matt Haas. We did a panel show, as was uh Roy Poole, who also was watching tonight too. All really, really talented investigators, really smart, thorough. The work they do is thorough, and, and you have to vet the quality of what you do in order to know for your own integrity that I safeguarded against any kind of false positives or misunderstandings in my own work. So those people all do that. Um, also, uh, we just saw to uh, intuitive April, she was on the Holter files. Um, we've gotten in investigations before and, and with her at Selma, like, like almost two weeks ago right, and a week ago. And she was, uh, she walks in every location. She's like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know the history. Don't tell me anything. And then she walks around with the people who know the history and, and it's like they're checking stuff up like she's doing an audit. Like she's nailing things she couldn't possibly know. And they're going, holy, okay. <laughs> All right. She's really good. So, um, hey, Ryan, no problem. So and we um, we always like to, and I'm glad that we get to see those people buzzing in. And we always like to, to acknowledge the community because we're part of a community. No matter yeah. what we do, no matter how respected or known or whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're, we're the, the sum of the parts is what counts more than the individual parts. I mean, so we always try to acknowledge the, the people we work with or people who do what we do in their own way, in their own location, whatever it is, just because it's important. Right. The answer to our questions, to our curiosity is working together. That's how we'll get the answers. So we love all, all the people that we work with and we love uh, meeting new people and working with new people and just sharing you know, each other's techniques. It's just, that's, I think that's the way we will get our answers. Absolutely. I think that by swapping those techniques or maybe trying something different from a different point of view always gives you a different result that you can pretty much put together with your results and come to some agreement between the two. And it's funny you say that because when a lot of people, not everybody in these networks knows about me, but Lourdes, you were uh, responsible for me actually getting into some of these paranormal groups. You invited me to a few of them as well as um, Angela Mitchell. When I was entered into these paranormal groups, I knew nothing. I literally knew nothing. But everybody was so familiar in the sense that they were, they were loving. They had open arms to teach me about the community in itself. And it's, it is something. You know, even to this day, I still don't know a lot. But I still converse with a lot of people in the paranormal community because they are so helpful. And they'll, they'll do whatever they can to really give you you know, a straight answer. If they can't answer it, they'll point you in the right direction. It's a phenomenal thing. 
And, you know, it's only recently that I found out that sometimes it's like when you get to some of the people that 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 have been in a lot of investigations where ego starts to play a game in a little bit. But that's every community. But majority yep. of the people that are in the paranormal community are so awesome. They are such awesome people inside and out. And it's it's wild to see that it really is. It really is. I remember that when we first had our conference, you guys were going somewhere famous the next week. You guys were going to be doing a investigation. It was a house. I forget what it was, but it was some house. I believe it was a movie after it, maybe. Oh, oh, the Conjuring House. The Conjuring. We yes. went to the Conjuring House <laughs> up in up in Rhode Island. Um, we got to work with the, the two gentlemen from Duo Demonology, James uh, Anito and Carl Johnson. Um, a lot of people don't know the original um, Conjuring House investigation was given to the Warrens from Carl Johnson and his, his, his brother um, Keith. Keith. They found that case. They had this little paranormal group out of a college. They found that case through an ad or something they placed. And um, they brought the Warrens in because they were not as experienced at the time. Now they're, they're excellent at what they do. Um, they've been for a while. But um, they were the fa- They actually brought the Conjuring House when it was its own out-of-the-box, holy crap, what's going on in this house case. They were the ones that brought it out. Because um, they were young. They were yeah. very young, 18, I believe, if, I'm, if I remember correctly. At least Carl was eighteen. Now it's being run by oh, the uh, I forgot. by twins. Corey and Jennifer Heinsen, who bought it not too long ago. Um, they're investigators, and and the cool thing is when people who do something assume control of something within that community, they know how to treat it, they know how to treat the people in it, they know how to orchestrate the events, um, and they re- they do a great job. Um, they make it very welcoming for everybody to come in and do stuff, and we had a great time at that place. We were there till the sun came up. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And the fact that they were inviting about it makes it an even easier situation for you to get into right off the bat. And that sounds like a lot of fun. I saw a ton of pictures from it. I saw pictures of you guys driving there. I saw you had a really big group there of people, right? You had quite a few people. It was it was a nice size group. It wasn't that big, but it was I would say what, like 12, 13 people. Yeah, it was it was a little bigger than what it should have been. It should have been at least 10 people or less. But it was about like 13 people, which isn't a lot, but maybe uh, for the size of the place. But it, it was it was still fine. It was it was still good. Yeah, it went really well. Yeah. And when you have the larger the group based on how the location and the acoustics are and some of the older places have either holes in the floorboards or, or holes that were meant for the air to rise up through when it was heat from a fireplace or whatever. So those things are are acoustic booby traps. right? Those things are, are contamination traps for what you're going to do. So you just when you do that. It takes a level of coordination, which I think we tried to do as best we could. Um, If if we split into two groups of six, one group has to make sure that they're not doing some kind of a chuckle session and laughing about something while someone else is doing EVPs one floor up and you can hear it all. But it's just which we which the group was aware of. Everyone, everyone knows how to investigate. Everyone knows, you know, has experience in it. So everyone was respectful and respected if, if there was a group doing an EVP. The other ones were make sure they, you know, were quiet and not whispering or making a lot of noise. So it was a good investigation. We got some good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're still going through the files, so we're always, we're always playing catch up on on evidence review, and we do it. We used to not do it as well. Like a lot of investigators, you just go out and you have the experience, and you you, you record stuff, and then you you know, eighteen years later, you go, hey, look at that. <laughs> we, we did. That. We were guilty of that, but now we're because 
it's just now the problem is that we're producing so much content to review because we do the direct radio voice sessions every week. And then we go to locations and then we're capturing more stuff and doing direct radio there as well as EVP or whatever else. So it's, it's more than we have time to review. And we feel like the, the connection to spirit having a routine is what helped us develop doing direct radio stuff. So we don't want to break that. If we have to, force one schedule over the other a little bit, we, we do the sessions because we're trying to connect with something we don't have control over. And if we have some kind of routine, they know we're going to be there. We want to keep doing that. And then the review, you know, we'll try to catch up a little. Right, Ronnie Anderson, you're not alone with evidence catch up. Yeah. Sure, it's, sure. it's like finishing an entire like four or five load of laundry task and going, well, I'm holy crap. There's more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure because I, I, it's like research too. You know, I am a research fanatic. I do it all day, every day. And once you get into one subject, it leads you to another one and to another one, but you never finish the first one. It just keeps going. It's like rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Now no. I wanted to get into the science of this for what you talked about. Was it, uh, well, you just said it. It was like direct community, the, the oh, direct radio voice. Direct radio voice. I want to get down to like the science of how you guys do it a little bit different than most people. And I know a lot of teams love to bring you in to do this. I want to get down to how I want. Basically, I want to explain from start to finish how you how this the history behind it, if you know it, the science of it, and how you go about tackling this task of having all this work to go through and go through. And what's the end result that you want to see come from it? I'm going to start in, in the back. If you want to chime in at any point, hit me with an elbow to the ribs or something. That was a that was a long question, I know, but no, I think, no, it, I think okay. it works well when it, when we get into what the progression is and where it started for you and how we how it goes about it. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's an excellent question, and it was actually easy to follow, even even being long, because you kind of, you kind of compartmentalize the the parts of it. I'll start in the back end. The, the goal for us is, is really we want to establish real-time communication where we can actually dialogue with whatever it is, if it's an alternate dimension, a vertical plane, um, the afterlife continuing consciousness, if it's, if it's uh, a multiverse thing, if it's occupying this space in a different time. We, uh, we don't know what the answer to that part of it is, but whatever it is, um, we're working on trying to be able to do it in real time. I think a lot of ITC, which is instrumental transcommunication practitioners, um, that's kind of the goal. You know, you go to a haunted location at a historic place and you get, you know, recordings of certain things and, you know, they get a response and it validates something historically. That's really cool. And you go over and you review it and it's phenomenal. But the goal, I think, right for us is to be able to turn it on and do what we're doing with you right now. Um Speaking of amazing evidence, I just have to kind of point out, it popped up, uh, Michelle LeBaron, who calls herself, the, or she's called the Ghost Magnet. And if ever a nickname was deserved, that's the one. Yeah, she's, she's the, the one, huh? She gets, oh yeah, she gets fantastic stuff. Yeah. You go If you want to talk about, uh, about strength of character, purity of soul, intent, and all that stuff that we think factors into it, that's probably a good reason why she gets such good stuff, because yep. she is all those things. She's, fan- she's fantastic. Um... Anything you want to talk about about the goal before we move on to the the historical part of it? Well, that's pretty much it. We want to be able to have um, real-time communication, like Ron says. We want to be able to turn it on and and we'll say, hey, how's your day? And someone responds, my day was good. How was yours? You know, we want that real-time responses. That's our goal. That's what we're hoping for. 
that would be phenomenal. I mean, to get that kind of response and to figure that out, then you could ask questions of it too and get responses maybe that you would be uh, uh, epic in the sense of uh, changing, you know, whole scientific fields with, you know, what they may know, which is quite phenomenal. But go ahead. I'm sorry I interrupt. No, 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 no. This is your show. That's okay. You got a story to tell, man. I'm just the guy. I'm just the guy who keeps talking to fill the gaps up. You got the story. Let's let's break it down. You know. No, that's awesome. Well, so that's one of the reasons why I love the question the way you asked it, um, because so that's the goal to do that, right? And we keep striving towards trying to get the real time communication. But you also asked about the history and then the science of it is a whole different vertical. And I'll um, if these pessimists a paranormal phone. Um, <laughs> There actually was somebody named H.R. Melton in, in the history of, of paranormal research who created what he called the spirit phone. Um, and basically what he did was he, he took the breath of a psychic a medium and captured it into a bag. And then he had like a thing poked into it, whatever it was. Uh, it didn't work. It's a, <laughs> That's uh, you're not going to see it on eBay. That's my point. Um, but there's some, there have been some odd, <laughs> odd innovations. So to, to the science part of it, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle as a separate vertical. The historical part of it is, and this is the irony of, of how things happen, is what we're trying to get to is not because no one has ever ach- achieved real-time communication like that. It's because no one has been able to sustain it. It has happened. Marcello Bacci in Grosseto, Italy, did sittings regularly with a vacuum tube radio. Um, people would come into the sittings. Um, a lot of times it was parents, mostly women, that would come in. They had lost children prematurely. Um, and the children with the voices of the kids would come through. They would recognize the voices. Then a little app port, like if the kid liked to surf, seashells would, would pop into existence under their chair. Now, if somebody came up to your chair and put something under it, you would see that. They didn't see that. He doesn't know who's coming, so he's not hoaxing this. He, he doesn't know whose voices to have somebody impersonate a kid. And by the way, really messed up to do that if, you know, if you're trying to you know, get somebody's deceased child's voice and mimic it. Yeah, so it, yeah, it is. It was a real deal. Um, so it's been done before. There's there's um, documentaries, the um, Afterlife Investigations that talks about the Skull Experiment, and then Calling Earth, which talks a lot about ITC and direct radio and EVP work. And during that one, I believe, right, is is when you actually see um, Dr. Annabella Cordosa, who's in Spain, I think uh, Robin Foy, who did Skull, they're at Marcello Bacci's place sitting around the vacuum tube radio and it's talking to him in Italian. And wow. then he says, I have friends here who have traveled from far. Then it goes, sorry, Bachi. Then it goes, Annabella Cordoso. And it's talking in English now. It's coming through the radio inexplicably. And, and it said everyone's name in the room. It was it, it, Anna Cardozo and yeah. uh, and Robin Foy. It, it said their names. Who else was there? Remember? Uh, said, Paul Pressy. Yeah, it was saying their the names. Laboratorio. It, yeah. It, it's amazing stuff. It's amazing. That's stuff. wild. That that would give me chills, and the hairs on the back of my neck would stand up, and I might run out of the room. That might be the one thing that got me to run. I'd be like, okay, now I know who I am. But I hear a lot of people when they go through investigations that majority of the time, the the entity already knows their name, whether it heard it from somebody else saying it or it just knows, you know. But go on. I'm interrupting again. The thing no. that I believe is like it's. I always say this: it's the intent. And I think with Banchi, he got responses, like great real-time responses, because he was helping mothers who were grieving for their lost children. Not 
charging anyone or anything like yes, that. Never once. And he brought peace to those women, you know, and I'm sure the fathers too, they were there too, for, for losing their children. And I think with the intent of him doing that is the reason why he would get those types of responses, those real-time responses. I agree. Intent is a big, big deal when it comes to communication. I think that's a big part of it. He also, they said, had mediumistic capabilities. Um, one of the gentlemen whose name it said she she had uh, remembered, um, Paolo Pressi, was with a group called Il Laboratorio. They had scientists and physicists, and, and they came in, and they were investigating Bocce for a number of years, not for fraud, just to really see what, you know, is this legit, this, this phenomenon that he's producing? Um, so they went in and they, they monitored stuff. So at one point, Presley says to, to Bocce, he goes, uh, the, and he's running an old vacuum tube radio, right? So it's got three tubes in it. This is before transistors. So that's pretty much part and parcel how the thing works. So he goes, I'm going to take one of the three vacuum tubes out. If you still get voices, I'm taking two out. You still get voices, I'm taking all three out. If you get them, then I'll eat the tube. What? So what? They, yeah. they did it. They took one out, two out, three out. Bocce still got voices, even when it wasn't plugged in. So he he, he looks at Mar Marcello, and Marcello goes, no, no, don't eat tube. It's glass. Right, right. I was just saying, did he eat the tube? I was about to ask. I'm like, did, oh, he, he won't be here anymore, but did he eat the tube? Like, <laughs> so he, he got stuff. They've, they've had, they've shielded the, the radios from, from getting any kind of electromagnetic signals or radio signals. RF, they can block it out. Um, no power running to it. Um there's a book by um, Scott Rogo and, and uh, Bayless is Rogo and Bayless. I don't remember Bayless's first name. Called "Phone Calls from the Dead," where they monitored phone calls into a residence with a land. This is before cell phone stuff, and it just going into a residence, and they monitored every in and outbound call that that house would get for the month, everything, and none on that line at all. But they still got calls that came in over that line. So That's there's a wild. lot about how this That's stuff wild. happens that we don't know. Right. 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 Is it like, you think it, maybe it's like a bleed through into the line itself or they're, you know, if they, they were getting contact via the phone line itself while picking up the phone is what you're saying is that to me is just, that's crazy, but it's an interesting choice of words because one of the, one of the skeptical, skeptical um, points of view that people will say with, with radio stuff, whether it's a sweeping ghost box, like a spirit box or a direct radio, which we do, which has no, radio emissions, um, is radio bleed through. But there's a lot of problems with that theory, and people put it forth because it's the easiest low-hanging fruit to pick on. They go, oh, well, you're using a radio. You're getting radio. But you never get singing. I never get responses that's, you know, that are coming through in the middle of a Justin Bieber song. You don't get that. Um, it's always talk. And most of radio, even AM, is music, even when it's a heavy talk saturation like AM radio would have. Um, the other thing that takes that bleed through stuff out of the question is timing and relevance. Like we've asked stuff before and had an answer to what we're asking coming out of the radio. Clearly. Now, if that's a radio station, then I always say, I want to know when they're giving away cash and prizes because my luck is hot. Absolutely. Our teams, uh, like where in the radio station yes. is going to say Ron and Lourdes. We've had both like, and it, there's no, there's no way. It's just I've asked before the color of the couch. Clearly, it's it, we had a response brown. Brown, like wow. I was, it, 
I'll tell you yeah. what, I've I've never heard Lourdes on a radio station, period. And it was a music <laughs> station that yeah. actually was giving away cash and prizes. So, you know, just to hear that period, I would be freaked out too. But, you know, that, I know the only reason why I know bleed through is because I was trained as an audio engineer. And when you have too many things next to each other, the wires, when you're doing audio and sound, will get a bleed through from the machines. Like if you have, that's why sometimes when they hardwire stuff, it's better because they're separated. But when everything's digital and going into the box, the digital makes a hum, but not any kind of pitch where it goes up and down. It's just a straight, mm, you know what I mean? Right. So yes. that's what you would get as a bleed through. But what you're saying is totally different, totally different. And that, that, that hum a lot of times can work as, as audio support for, for EVP. Um, and, and so what we do to differentiate, um, it's again, to go back to answering the historical part of it, right. It's, it's called direct radio voice. It's, it predates the SB seven or 11 spirit boxes. It predates the, the shack hack radios. Um, it predates the Frank's box, the Frank Sumption um, masterful pieces of work that he's made. Um, they all came after this. This is, this was after just EVP on a recording device, which that started with uh, with magnetic wire recordings. You know, um, Edison would get recordings on on you know on the little cylinder thing he would crank. So the, it goes back far as far as the recording. The radio aspect of it started with um, some of the early EVP practitioners like Constantine Radove, and then Dr. Annabel Cardoso started the same way where they would use the white noise as audio support because you're, you're communicating with something that does not have physical presence in the material world that we know. And so like hearing my voice now, this is a mechanical wave, something solid, so to speak is, is making a mechanical wave An electrical magnetic wave is, is, is a different wave. And so they would use it for audio support to give the EVPs a little bit of something to, to add to the resonance and the vibration for it to make it audible. And then what happened, um, and this is funny because of the research that suggested this, we get this, we get the boombox radio, which is behind us in, in the one image. Um, and we're running the white noise. And so the research says initially, if you do direct radio voice sessions, you'll get EVPs first with that audio support. Then you'll gradually start seeing the vocals coming out of the speaker. And you can tell because it's not as, that whispery EVP sound, it's got modulated tone to it. And so that started happening next. It went from support EVP and then direct radio. And the first time, so you're smiling? I do, I do. I'm ready she for it. I'm waiting going. for it. She knows where it's going. What happened the first time vocals that were identifiable came out of the radio? <laughs> I heard the radio and I was like, I love this radio. I That's love awesome. it. Because you know, it's funny because when we started getting EVPs, this is I'm gonna we started getting EVPs and and we're discussing it. I'm like, Ron, that, that sounds like this is before what well, I knew, maybe you did before I knew that you would get EVPs first. This is before. So and I'm like, it sounds like EVP. That they sound doesn't sound like radio, it sounds like EVP. So we then later on found out that that happens. You first get EVPs. So, but then it would gradually start with direct radio voice. And when we got that first direct radio voice, oh my God, I was so happy. I was like, this is, I love this radio. I love that boom box. It's the best radio ever. <laughs> <laughs> Roy love Porter's it. MC Ron in his house. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, so it's funny. The only reason I did, I, I look like the LL Cool J of ITC. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Mama said yeah. knock you out too, right? Get, get him good. <laughs> the only reason I bought that radio was because we were looking for something that had world band capabilities. Long wave, short wave, medium wave, everything north of VLF, which is um, really, it used to be used for emergency service, but now I think VLF is mainly used like for submarine communication because they're so low frequency AM waves that the waves are really big. And so it'll it'll propagate farther and longer and penetrate better for communicating through the water. They used it to test psychical research on, on a couple of ESP and clairvoyance cases um, called Project Deep Dive. And they used VLF to try to see if it would help facilitate ES, ESP or, or clairvoyance. But so and it's hard. You can't get a radio that has VLF. You can probably get one that's modified or get a VLF receiver that will then use that to tune through your radio. But we wanted to get as close to that as we could. So we got long wave, which is going down to about 115 kilohertz. And then everything up through medium wave, short wave, and then the regular AM bands, and then FM. And then we've even used ultra high and very high frequency on a couple of monitors that have that audio. They could also be accompanied with video, but it's their old analog uh, TV recorders. And we use those too. Um, and then we've done, uh, and you may know this from, from the, your audio background, we've done what's called heterodyning. We've taken uh, like ultra high frequency and then long wave mm -hmm. and blended them through a mixer and then had what is a unique intermittent or intermediary frequency, which is both the sum and differences of the two individual frequencies right. now new to see, because we don't know when we're trying to connect with spirits, we're, we're, we're doing what's called temporal synchronization. We're trying to, um, like a radio receiver, right? If something transmits a signal, you have a receiver, they're both in the same plane right. or dimension. We're trying to connect with something that's transmitting from we don't know where. So it's temporal synchronization. We're trying to time and synchronize a signal, and we don't have control over half of it. That makes a lot of sense, though, why you would do that. I mean, it, technically, it makes a lot of sense, but go ahead. That's awesome. That's so awesome. We've done the heterodyning to try to create an intermediary frequency that would be the sum and difference of those two to see if that would maybe aid in the fusion of whatever signal or energy they're using. And we don't know um, if those energies and signals are even 100% in existence where we are, if their vibrationals or levels are so high that they don't even exist here. But they have to do what you know this probably too with transduction. They have to, to step down the frequency to kind of meet somewhere where we can connect to it or tap sure. into it. And that's is 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 difficult it's it's tantamount um hans otto Konig from germany who's uh built something called i forget what it's called the monster i think it's machine um he calls it um similar to if you're on a highway driving very quick busy highway and you have the window down and you put your hand out the window and try to not only shake hands with somebody in another car but hold that handshake right that's kind of what we're trying to do because we don't have control over that other half of it. We don't even know, you know, the, the speed, the vibration. There's a lot of variables that we're not in control of. So we've tried the heterodyning frequencies. Um, we've tried the portal devices we use and then some software that's used for music engineering to try to clean it up in real time to get that real time conversation part down. Um, we've experimented a little bit with, uh, with sideband, which you probably know also single sideband, yep. upper or lower sideband. Uh, for for people watching who might not know what that is, is that any radio frequency like AM or FM has a carrier wave, 
and then the FM is a tighter band that it takes, and the AM is right. a little bit more looser. One of the reasons why long wave, short wave, medium wave works is because the looser bands are more susceptible to interference, which is what we want mm-hmm. the interference from wherever it's coming from. Um, sideband is basically like um, the carrier wave, right? Is part of what's transmitting the electromagnetic wave. And all of the data in the signal, all of the data in the signal is carried or encoded in both the upper and the lower and sideband. So when you do sideband work, what you're doing is you'll suppress, let's say, the lower sideband and the carrier wave and then focus it all on the upper sideband. And it's kind of like when you put your thumb over a hose and then the stream comes out stronger because you're concentrating it and you're sending it further and faster, not faster, but further and stronger and more concentrated. So you're, we've os- done- you're oscillating it in a sense. Yeah. You're taking it and you're moving it. So what what I found interesting when you were saying about the phone and the the bleed through and that hum, but it doesn't have the pitch up and down. That's mm-hmm. when we're doing a direct radio voice. That is what we try to get that kind of, that when we go into that station, that's what we want to hear is that, that hum, like, a right. consistent, and sometimes we'll get a little white noise. And from there, that's when you get the pit, the pitches with words. It's either higher or lower. And sometimes we still get EVPs because we're using, you know, we're using the, the noise, but, it was interesting that, that you said that because that is what we look for. And we fuse in a tone generator too a lot of times too. We'll we'll um and sometimes we'll take the radio signal and we'll heterodyne it with a higher frequency and then we'll blend it through uh, the software and then from the software to the speaker we're actually recording off of, we'll send that Bluetooth because maybe there's a possibility that they're able to manipulate the sound through the air after we've refined it through some of the effects pedals that the portal will have. Um, then the software cleaning it up. And then so that filtration is part of what we're hoping. And, and it has in, in, in recent time been able to make it a little bit more audible. I, I put this here for Anthony Simonelli gave me this. This is a small run. It doesn't have long wave. <clears throat> but just, just to kind of give you an idea of when we do direct radio, because people in the United States, and this is an old European methodology, um, people in the United States are mostly – in tuned or aware of the spirit box work, the sweeping radios, because that's what's become popularized on television. And don't get me wrong, they work and we use them and we like them. But the purity of direct radio is comparable to EVP. You know, you're not having radio emissions. That's why I think a lot of the European researchers didn't like the sweeping stuff that used phonetic sounds. That is human speech. Those, those allophones or, or phonemes, because they feel like if you add, human speech into it, you're giving fodder to the skeptic who goes, well, that's just radio human speech, but you don't have any human speech. And then something responding to you and with timing and relevance. And then one word follows the next word to make sense. And then the word after that follows that one. It makes sense. And it has a structure that is sentence like that even makes it more difficult to dispute the authenticity of what you're getting. Well, but absolutely. Just- absolutely. If you can hear the full sentence, it's something. Go ahead. That's that's a shortwave frequency. You can hear a little bit of like something popping in the background, but for the most part, and this is not we we've been working on on long, medium, and shortwave, depending. But but a lot of times it's just it's just the static. It's just the white noise that that's we're it. that we're running through. That's what we're working. And with. even cleaner than this too. Like, yeah, the big boombox has a lot more pull. Um, 
and we'll just pull regular white noise. You don't hear any. There's no, and I'll even check the sidebands and tune it just to see if I can pick up something vocally that's coming from maybe a little further away with that concentrated sideband to see if the if the monopole antenna we've used a dipole antenna before um, to see if that helps pull more and. And we don't get anything coming through vocally, but then when we play the recording back, we're getting responses to what we're asking. So that's, that's part of, what the, of the mystique of it. I think that, that that gives you like a lot of uh, a lot of ways for things to come through. You know what I mean? It's basically what you're doing is you're giving every available option for them to reach out to you and give you that ability to to communicate, which is wild. I would love to sit down and see everything you. I know you guys document all of it. You have to, and I'm yeah. sure you're going to have a, an amazing book one day, and it's going to be phenomenal, or a movie, or a documentary. But I would just love to sit down and go over all the things that you thought you've heard over that time, and just see what the messages are. I bet you that there is some sort of pattern that somebody's talking to you about, maybe a, a, some kind of story, or is telling you of something. And I'm sure you found that out already. I can feel that in my bones that that's that's what's happening. But I may be wrong. I may be way off. But that's what I feel. I don't know. I think that that's well, in Kingsley Manor. In Kingsley Manor, right? We got a, a direct radio voice that's telling a story about the place. I don't know if you want to share that. That yeah, it's that, it's, uh, it's almost it's almost reminiscent of of what someone might consider a time slip, but not that we experienced, but that or that maybe that location at a different point in time came through um it was on national ghost hunting day like a year ago and the boom box was running in the bar in the basement area it used to be a, a speakeasy and there was prostitution and everything and all kinds of shady stuff going on during you know back in the day and um it was running the whole night and there were cameras down there and so at the end of the night um this was an island paranormal uh, event, which is Matthew J. Haas's group um, out of Long Island. And he had everybody upstairs for a Q&A at the end of the night. So there's nobody in the basement. And the only reason we caught this is because we were reviewing the footage. And when we reviewed it, um, you hear that noise floor going, and that's all you hear. Um, there was no radio, especially long wave we were using at the time. We were like in 200-something kilohertz, 222. You couldn't, you couldn't get long wave radio. I think there's like maybe two frequencies that you can get radio on at all in the United States on a long wave period. Um, and that's based on where you are. Uh, most of the time we can maybe get one. And so it's just that hum. And then all of a sudden you hear the noise floor kind of like bottom out and it gets quiet, which is odd because again, there's nobody down there um, and the video had it all. And then you start hearing like a loud whispery kind of thing, like a vocal going, Hey, and then, uh, and we can actually cut away if you wanted to share the, the video. Then a full female vocal comes through. It uses the word harlot, which uh, we checked with the historian, um, which is spot on for the era that they would have had prostitution and, and the terminology they would have used. So now you have verification of the vernacular that comes through. Um, you have modulated tone in the vocal that comes through. You have video verification that there's nobody in the room. And if there's a lady in this time that we're living in, at the time it was 2019, who's using the word a harlot, I want to meet her. <laughs> you don't hear it. 
absolutely. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a madam speaking to a a, a prostitute, mm-hmm. um, displeased. Um, if you want, I, I'll I'll do the uh, the share screen thing. Yeah, we could show the video. That that would be phenomenal. I mean, that's just. I tell you, you guys go through some wild things, man. Like this is something that gets me goosebumps right now, and I'm not even there. Could you imagine? I mean, if I was ever at, at one of these investigations with you, I'm not sure that I would even really be, you know, fit fit to build to be there. I'd be like, oh, all right, but I I would love to go on an investigation. But I know you guys are relatively close too. But is somebody in there that wants to say hi? Somebody wants to come hey. in and say hi. So, um, hold on. Before I let me cancel the share of the video real fast. So my my son's with us. Um, Tell him to pop on. Let's say hi. He's hi. he's like supreme level high IQ. Um, he's he's a huge it's not that high. Oh, it's high. He's a huge <laughs> fan of science. Um, he's come on a couple of investigations with us already. Um, and he got stuff. We got good stuff with him. So he had a. Uh, he heard us talking oh, about yeah. stuff. What would you want to? Well, I. I actually got a di- I got a diagram, so you might need the video. I'll just stand over here. Oh, well, he's. We were going to cut away the videos, but do you want me to show the diagram? Well, uh, I will just um. So my idea is, what if why it's so hard to contact these entities is because they're in a different spatial dimension. Like say the fourth one, like these radio signals. I made a little thing here. This yeah, is the look. the line between dimensions. This line right here. A, a gotcha. Th- this line, the straight one, is the line between dimensions. Dimension A has us in it. Dimension B has spirits and stuff. Mm-hmm. This cross, right here, not that one. This one is basically like where we're trying to contact it from, like radios and stuff. This is the signals. This, so the signal. It's so hard to do it is because it's taking the long route. But what if there's some sort of way to take the short route like this? You just go straight to it. It's just a theory, but I just can't. Like a, like a gateway almost or like something that will no. open up or no? That, yeah. Huh? No, no. It's like a device that instead of taking the long way, it takes the short, it takes the short way. Instead yeah. of like using radio signals to try and get it, the hard way, you use the short way by some way, if it exists. It's similar to what a portal would be opening up. You're just saying you don't know how the, how you would open up the hole, but you would open it up somehow. Yeah, like a fourth dimensional like communicator or something. Maybe maybe a device to find like a, a weak point where that would be able to open up or pass through faster, where there would be like a veil. And if we had a device where we could see weaknesses in this veil... We'd be able to puncture through it and take the short way. Uh, that's, yeah, that sounds that's, yes and no. Yep, <laughs> I know exactly who's going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I love those conversations, though. Come on, you can tell it. Say it up. You know, I love those conversations. Well, it's not more. It's not like a puncture hole because unless those radios are putting out putting out enough energy to puncture into the fourth dimension, then I don't think it's puncture. It's punctures in dimensions what if what if what what if the radio was able to pass through that wall what if that wall wasn't like like a brick wall it was just like a like a haze no i'd say like the radios they take the long way 
But what if you could take the shortwave with some sort of like super radio that doesn't go along that? Like maybe we're just not capable of it because we can only move along this axis. But what if we can move along the other one and just easily get there? So maybe with the routines that we're doing, maybe maybe there one day we can open up that short way. The interesting thing, the interesting up. thing about how that ties into what we're doing is the, the radios that we're using are not <clears throat> transceivers, they're receivers. So one of the questions that gets asked sometimes when we do stuff is how are our vocals reaching wherever they're getting, whatever if it's a dimension of vertical plane. How is what we're saying? We're this is a mechanical wave that my vocal cords are vibrating. Actually, it can't go on and on and on forever. It, it it will run out of energy. It has to have a source. So how is that permeating another dimension or plane? Because we're not communicating or broadcasting out other than using a mechanical wave, which has a limited range to it. Oh, actually, yes, I have a bit of an answer like this, and more of uh, idea. Okay. Now, what you're saying, if I'm understanding this right, is that, like, um, we're not contacting them. They're contacting us. So you're saying... Almost. Okay, I lost myself there. We are contacting them, but we're not broadcasting a signal. But Oh, how it gets there. Yes. Well, my thought is, well, let's, let's take this. Okay. Flip it upside down. Let's say this is the ghost. And this is us. How do you know that they don't have the easy way? What if they do? And that's how they're getting back and forth so quickly. That's true. They, they that, may have the easy way. We're trying to develop it, but they right. may already have it. I and think he's onto a concept there where they can pass through easier from their side than we can from our side. Right. Yeah. Right. You well, if you circle back to what I was saying before, was that if it's a higher plane of existence, if it's a higher vibrational energy, then they have the ability to transduce to step it down. Yeah, it's harder for us to come up to them. So there has to be a meeting point somewhere. There's that temporal synchronization I was talking about. Yes, it's that's you're exactly. So what I'm so basically, he's 14 it, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah. that's wild. But no, that's the sun. <laughs> that's wild. It's like um, it's a two dimensional. Let's. This is two-dimensional, one-dimensional, actually. I just use that as an example. Right. So say a two-dimensional plane with a two-dimensional being in it. Let me just draw it real quick. All right, quickly, then we want to move on with the, the show. Dimensional. Go ahead. Being. Uh-huh. Just quickly sketch this. A in the box, okay. Dimensional being. In a two-dimensional plane. Now, it only has ever known two dimensions. So, what if you move a three-dimensional object through that? Well, let's, let's that say comes down to would it lose a dimension, or would it just be? Say we, let's say that we like um, move a circle or something. As the circle goes in, it gets wider and shrinks. They only see a small fraction of it. They can't see the rest. So what I'm trying to say here is, I, I didn't draw it, but let's just say there's a circle going through it. Okay. One circle's on one side, one circle's on, one part of the circle's on the other. This little person only sees the line. That's all right. I see. Just one slice. Can't see anything else. Hmm. Because 
they're in the second dimension. That's a three-dimensional object. So they can't move higher. So it's easy for the three-dimensional thing to move back and forth, but not for this two-dimension. Wow. It's very, very so, good. That, that that's, very a, that's a wild concept. That, I mean, I understand exactly what he's saying, too. Right. It's just... I can't, I can't intellectually put it into those words like he can, but you know, I, he's super smart. Obviously, he's look, talking he about yeah. you know physics and and uh, basically con- conceptual realities is just phenomenal. That's phenomenal. You have That's to, wild. you have, you have to go outside of what we already know, or at least try to. Um, that's part of what experimentation is. Um, there's, there's, there's a contingency of people who think that eventually science explains everything away and nothing supernatural, but that's scientific, not scientific. That's called promissory materialism. Um, that's, that's where they, you know, a lot of, again, scientists are people. So some of them are, are interested in the phenomena and trying to figure it out and they have skepticism, which is good. Um, sometimes they have an agenda and then that's scientism. That's not science. They just want to reject it because it doesn't fit into the paradigm. But science is, is a method of inquiry. It's not an ideology. So you have to test against test against test against, and then compare your work and theories against other people who are doing similar or like research and then refine it. But if you don't have the answer scientifically, it doesn't mean that it's eventually going to be explained away by science and science may never know. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I yep. don't get like I I may have misheard you a bit, but it did you you mentioned that at some point there, like how some people are afraid that science will like explain everything and it won't be paranormal. I, I don't get that. Just because it there's an explanation for it now doesn't mean it's not there. Right. You just know what it is. It's still there. You can still just figure it out. Yeah. Well, that's and that's a distinction that that we always try to bring forth is that there's a difference between science and scientism. Scientism rejects what does not fit into the paradigm and just says, oh, that can't be. It's not. It won't ever be done. I mean, how can you explain harlot? Right. Right. But science is not that science will keep testing until it has some kind of absolution or certainty about what it is. And if it never does, then it remains an anomaly. But it's not it's not Little League Baseball. It's not like the skeptic goes, that's a bunch of crap. And the believer goes, oh, no, no, it is real. And then if it doesn't get to one side proving the other, the other one doesn't win by default. You know, if somebody goes, this is paranormal and they can't prove it, then the person who doesn't believe in the paranormal doesn't win by default. It remains unknown. The The, the onus is on either one because then that's that's a terminology mix up, too. Skepticism or being a skeptic is, is, a, is a lofty word. So sociologically, it's more accepted that you know, the skeptic is the guy with the pipe going. You forgot the tweed jacket. You forgot the tweed jacket. Elbow patches. It has a status sociologically. So so in societally, it has more prestige to it. Say I'm the skeptic. But the truth is, if you don't believe anything is real, then you're the same as the other side of the spectrum. You're a believer. You're just a believer in a different paradigm. And that's different a skeptic looks for the truth whatever it is and they're not bias driven or belief driven they're data driven empirical data that's king and so that's what they look for so that's that's a key fundamental difference and since we're part of the equation that we're trying to solve those biases can factor into that there's there's a um 
a professor Stanford who tried to prove that luck didn't exist by suggesting that receptors to different energies and, and, and communications and stuff were steering us away or towards things. And so that luck by chance does not happen. Um, there's called something called psi missing. If you test somebody's psychical abilities, um, psi missing would be like if you hold up a center card and it's got the squiggly lines and their gut tells them hmm, squiggly lines, but then their mouth goes circle because they don't want to validate the truth to that because right. it goes against their beliefs. That's called psi missing. There's a lot of factors that we as people, as instruments in the equation, well, I just call taint. it stubborn. Well, yes. think about think about this too. Is what we were talking about science. Science is all theory. So I, I like personally. I was always like in, into UFOs and, and space. They have no way of. They're, they're assuming that certain uh, certain. Uh, I want to say it properly. Certain uh, formulas are equating what's actually happening when all it is is them guessing. So they're basing all of their scientific data off of a guess, which. If you're not inside of their paradigm, they'll say it's not valid. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, if you're not inside of their circles, they're going to determine what's real and what's not. When really, we know for a fact that there's things that they won't even look at that are absolute, that are absolute, but they don't yeah, see it. Hundred percent. The, the the idea to communicate with spirit or something that's that's occupying the same space we are, but we can't see it, feel it, touch it, whatever. That's that's something that they'll say that, that you can't. Well, it can't be something here or whatever. But right now, the solid walls that you're sitting around, right? If you have a radio receiver, that signal goes through it. So at some point, that radio signal, which is an energy, and that wall, which even though you think it's solid, it's just solid because of the vibrational level slower. Those two things are occupying the same space at the same time. So that happens. There was a, an experiment called the Goldfield. Uh, it was the Rutherford. Um, it was a gold foil experiment, and they basically shot like 5,000 ionized particles through an ion cannon at a piece of gold foil. And that was actually where they, they found out that there was a, a nucleus to the cell because what happened was is that close to 500 of them bounced back towards the ion cannon. They were positively charged plus two. Um, the other like 4,500, give or take, went through the foil like it didn't exist. The ones that bounced back hit the denser, slower nucleus. Right. The other one went right through the foil like it wasn't even there. So there's a lot of stuff that may help bolster what we think might be going on with paranormal stuff. Well, I see you're definitely taking with, with your new method. Well, not new, but with this method that you're using, you're taking different variables, shall we say, and conducting your almost like an experiment where you're trying different things to make the objective become a reality or where people can see it, which it is in turn. So it shows that the, it, that the experiments that you're running here are actually fortified by an end conclusion. That's a reality. You get what I'm saying? Like there's actually something in there that you're taking away from it, which is empirical data, which later you can manipulate in a sense of saying this worked, that didn't work. Let's try it more on this side next time where you can adjust your experiment to come to the conclusions that you're looking for, which is definitely steps in the direction of science, if we're going to call it that, you know, but that's wild. That's wild. And we just broke that down and my vocabulary level just went up, 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 up during that conversation. That was crazy. That came from from somewhere outside of my own reality that phased Uh, in real quick. 
That's why I like doing the hetero dining. I love the fact when when we do the the analog TV and then the the with the frequencies with the radio. It's fascinating to me, and we've gotten really good responses doing that as well. Yeah, you're taking two completely different interferences and creating a, a unique frequency by blending them to come through, and then trying to filter it to make it come through live. It's it's also important to anything for the methodology that you're using. And everything is experimental. We haven't proven anything. If you look at some of the, the empirical data that was captured by Marcella Bacci, by Annabella Cordoso, by Friedrich Jurgensen, Constantine Rodovay, it's uh, Mark Macy um, out of Colorado from the States. If you see the stuff that they've already been able to do and people still don't believe in it and they still think, oh, it's, you know, you, you need to prove the paranormal. That's why proving it is not on our agenda. When you asked about what our end goal was, our end goal is the experience being heightened to have real time communication. Because when someone is scientism minded and they have the agenda of just that they're never going to buy into it, it's there's no point. That's a core belief for them. That's like trying to switch somebody's religion or favorite sports team. It's like you can't, or political party, whatever, you can't go at that if now if they have the experience and something profound happens and changes them that's different a lot of times a, a core or a paradigm shift has to happen within the individual it's very hard to do that from the outside and for us it's a waste of energy because that's not our goal John, absolutely. But, um, absolutely the methodology has to be falsifiable in its nature to be scientific in other words you need to be able to to, to fake or create a false positive to show the validity of what is not a false positive. It has to be falsifiable for the method itself to be in nature scientific. I, I, I honestly, if somebody with an open mind were to hear this conversation, I think that they would say you have proved it a little bit, at least in some right, you've proved that there is an ability of contact, which is awesome. I think it's we, awesome. We can cut away. I know you said you wanted to see if we could share some. some yeah, some let's the- give it a shot. So let's do it. Let's let's get some stuff going on so that people can see it. Now, we'll get into some stories, too, because we did we did the science. So everybody knows that we are uh, a little science-oriented, too, because I'm, I'm a huge science buff, even though I never really liked it in high school. But that's in a different time, yeah. a different story for a different day. But, you know, I want to get into some stories, too, so people can hear about some of the exciting things, maybe some of the crazy things that you guys have been through as well. Cause a lot of different paranormal teams always have some really wild stories. I'm sure you guys got them too, but yeah, let's go ahead and, and uh, share some of the videos so we can get it, mo- you know, get, get some of the uh, evidence out there too. It's really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to quote um, our very brilliant friend, uh, Tony Rathman from entity voices. Um, he'll even say too, that, that, you know, at one point, a solar eclipse was considered supernatural or, or what would be paranormal. And then science now knows what that is. They've been able to explain it. So I'm not saying none of what is paranormal will be explained scientifically and then shown that it was not mystical or whatever. I'm not saying that none of it will. I'm just saying to assume that all of it will because of the phenomena itself could not be that's, that's scientific, not scientific. <clears throat> that's that's all I'm saying, and, and there's a uh, there's there's a parting. Sometimes people think that science and and spiritual stuff have to be separated, and it's not um, it's not rooted in anything except something that was a man made construct. When there's a fifteen forty five to sixty three in Italy, it was something called the Council of Trent. It was a, uh, a Protestant 
movement, and it was a Catholic anti-Protestant uh, Reformation Act, and it was a, this huge ecumenical coming together of going, all right, this is, you know, material, measurable, quantifiable, that's you, that's science, and all the mystical ah, stuff, that's us, that's the church. And so because of that, there's this accepted, continually passed down idea that science is here and spiritual stuff is here and that they're not occupying the same territory, but really they are, and they and most often do. Yeah, that's, you know, they decided to separate it, but it really should all be together. It really should be. I agree. I agree. I mean, like you said, eventually, hopefully, eventually they will coincide a little bit more. But for right now, some people see them as, like you said, two different uh, ends of the spectrum, shall we say. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and is it supposed to be like that? Maybe no, Maybe not. Maybe so. But in time, I think it'll all come out, you know. I think you was going to say that. Yeah, one. I have it queued up now, too. So have that one, the other one, the Hartman one. Oh, okay. actually, I'll this one first. That's right. Yeah, I had this one already queued up. Okay. Um, all right, so we can, we'll we'll share this. So this was um, one night we were sitting here at the table, and we were looking for that same long wave frequency we always used in the 200 kilohertz range, and it was pretty much just, mm, that's it. No, not even a lot of interference. And the one night, it's very choppy. It sounds like that, and it's so. I see you hear me on the recording. I say, um, it sounds like a helicopter. And then we're right near uh, Manhattan, New York City. So I'm like, maybe it's some kind of uh, audible radio interference or something from a helicopter. I don't know. It's um, who knows? But it's what it sounds like. Um, so for the purposes of, of a, a presentable video. I put annotations on the screen and explain what happened. We were trying a different frequency that night. Um, I think it was in the 400 kilohertz range. And then to shortcut the time, it's close to two minutes after I make that statement that we got a voice coming through assuring us that it was not what I was asserting that it was with regards to a helicopter. So we'll, um, let's play that. I think we're, yeah, we're good for Helicopter sounds. I wonder if it is like interference from helicopter radios. We are probably near it too. It's 
That was wild. I heard that for sure. For sure. I said, not a helicopter. And then when you slowed it down, it was like, oh, shit, he really did say that. Okay. All right. We got the hairs in the back of my neck standing up, guys, just to let you know. I was kind of freaky. I'm glad you was able to hear it. I was afraid about the streaming stuff. No, it actually sounded it sounded good. It sounded perfect. That's good. They came through. We can put um, which one would you want? You wanted the helicopter one. I mean, not the Harlot one. The Harlot one. Yeah. All right. This is the one we were talking about from King. This one. I love this this one. This is the short version of it. It's like a minute long. Um, With the speakeasy and the. uh, after that, thing. make sure you scroll up so people can see where to find you on YouTube as well. Okay. So are you seeing that good now? Yep. Yeah. We'll All put right. it up to full screen. There we go. That was crazy. Okay, so that was that was the harlot one. Um, Were you able to hear that one? Rob? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. This is a quick one. Um, Matt Haas, who hosts Strange Oddities podcast, um, as well as the leader, him and his wife Josie Haas of, of Island Paranormal Society. Um, this was at their place. They, they decided to have us bring the boombox over and do a session after a little barbecue a couple months back. Um, and this came through a direct radio session with the boombox. So that one right there was um I heard that personal. I heard that too. I mean it, this is phenomenal. I, I that's just, this is why one of the reasons why I love going through some of this stuff because I feel like you guys are so on to something. I can feel it like in my bones when I talk about it. You guys are definitely on to something that should be used by more groups to get this to get all of this uh, I've seen people with spirit boxes. You know, I've watched it on YouTube lives. I've watched it on Facebook lives and it's awesome. I mean, but this is like, 
I can uh, when they do it on those types of spirit boxes that do the sweeps, whether they're fast or slow. I can never make it out. When you're doing this, I can make it out clear as day. So anyway, I'll put, go ahead. I'll put one on. Um, it's funny you say that we're gonna play one that's a sweeping box. So just, see if you can hear it. Yeah, just because we are we are um, more proponents of direct radio because again, there's no broadcast emissions coming through when we do what we do. So just because of that, um, we we've leaned towards that research. However, um, I'll show you on this one here. This is a this is a spirit box SB7. It was run. Uh, you see, this four years ago. It was a vacant office space behind where I was working at the time. Um, you'll hear me respond to one thing. Um, this is why, for anybody who's an enthusiast of the paranormal, uh, always record. Because I didn't hear a lot of what came through in this brief little clip. But a lot more came through than just the one thing I responded to. So I'll play that. All right, last 20 seconds. Anybody want to say hello? Hola? Hi? Anything? Well, you can't talk to me. You're talking to me now. Thank you. So that that was an SB7 spirit box that we ran. I ran at at a place where I used to work. So that's um just to give you an idea right there of of another version of ITC. Um, I'll give you one more that's pretty impressive. This is um just to show that we run the gamut. Where our focus and research has been on direct radio voice because of the European methodology is very pure. Um, and, and when you get stuff like you heard with the helicopter thing, it's fascinating because there's nothing uh, with tone or vocals that are incorporated at all. So we, we prefer that, and we're really trying to push that to a real-time talking scenario, like we said. Um, but as ITC practitioners, we do still use sweeping radios. Um, we bought a, a box recently that has just phonetic fragments, very small fragments of sound, called an Orion Talker. Uh, it's the 18th one made by Katie Holte. I love that box. Of, of Holte Paranormal. Stephen Katie Holte build amazing stuff. They're brilliant ITC people. Um, that was our most recent purchase. We've used that, and it's already delivered quite often. Um, but we also have play around with some of the apps. So this one here was a place called Beekman Arms in upstate New York. I think I know and, where that is. Okay. Yeah, it's in um, Rhinebeck, I think. Yes, that's like 40 minutes from my house. So, All right. So this is Beekman Arms. And so this is using a little mini portal with Echovox. This is an app. Some people are skeptical of the apps. Um, you have to use discernment. You have to use timing and relevance. Um, I asked a multiple choice question. Um, so the pareidolia idea that my brain knows what it wants to hear and programmed me to hear it is really difficult to explain when I gave it three choices and I don't know or have control over what might come out. Um, 
So here is here's that clip. How how do you travel by horse, by car, by boat? Not by horse. Not by horse. Not by horse. So that, um, just to put a finer point on it too, I looped the not by horse that came through. So I've been meaning to tell you, um, you know, when you ask the question, there's a female voice that says truck. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Okay. I've been meaning to tell you that for the longest time, every time you play it. So she's a court reporter by <laughs> trade. So she has bionic hearing. That's wild. I, a lot of females do though. My girlfriend can hear a pin drop from 60 feet away. It's the wildest thing. Meanwhile, she'll say something in the other room. I'll be like, what? What? <laughs> like ridiculous. I'm like half deaf. If I don't have these on, I can't hear anything. Excuse <laughs> me. What'd you say? You know? <laughs> she could be next to me. She'd be like, hey, you, you want dinner? And I'll be like, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Might be selective. You know what I mean? I'm just going to put that out there. Might be selective, but, you know. Selective hearing. We yeah, do absolutely. This one's two minutes. Yeah, man, play it. I love these things. These things are wild. You got some really good stuff here, man. And that's why so everybody should go to Gagnac, Paranormal, and subscribe to this channel. And check this stuff out. Share them. Like them. Do whatever you got to do, man. This stuff is intense. It's wild. And it's right on point. I'm telling you. I'm telling no, we you. We do appreciate it. We appreciate it. it. Yeah, we're um, we're so research-driven that we haven't really... I've just started making videos and putting stuff up in the last couple months or year almost, maybe. Um, being backlogged and reviewing makes it harder to cut videos and then put stuff up. But we're trying to more just to have stuff to share and put out there. Um, this particular one here is just like a compilation. It's like three different captures from direct radio. And in the beginning, we started out just with the boom box, just radio. That was it. Then we added the portal. We had the effects pedals on it for the guitar effects, to, you know, for noise gate and everything. Um, and then eventually we added the, the VST software for, for live filtration and then trying to transmit across the room to a Bluetooth speaker for manipulation. We tried different stuff. So we experimented more broadly once we got into it but in the beginning and that's where a lot of these are is either just the radio or the radio and the portal and that's it that's wild so that's what this one is i'll uh i'll full screen this one You're still hearing me. Can you repeat love and light again?
Do you know what mobile apps are that people use here to communicate? Can you, can you say mobile app if you know what it is? It's interesting. Could you hear the, the the cadence of speech coming through? Um, and we'll listen to just this that static. There's no radio coming through whatsoever. That's nothing to do. But and then all of a sudden you hear what sounds like the the cadence and pacing of speech. And then when we review it, we find out that there's direct responses and we're getting vocals. And so since we started, the clarity has gotten better. Um, the frequency of it has gotten better. And so we're still, like we said, striving to get that real time that, goal. I guess you, this is the one you want me to, you thought I should show. Oh, you can do that. One so this, one. this one, um, let me cue it up and then I'll explain the little backstory to it. This one, um, the end of January, 2019, um, my mom passed and, um, sorry to hear that. Thank you. And we have not um, focused on that. We haven't made our research or work part of the grieving process. Um, but because we're dealing with phenomena that we don't have full control over, we can only control the part of the equation that we're on. Um, what happened was is that uh, I was here for the whole day and she had left and she goes, why don't you ever just let the radio run and record and you know, just see if you get anything, you know, ask for something and walk away which turned out to be a brilliant idea. So I had the boom box in the bedroom where we don't usually do sittings, but I had it over there and I put it on and I put a recorder in front of it. And I said, you know, um, been a little less than a year, I guess, whatever. And since we lost my mom, I said, I just, you know, any update of how she's doing, you know, now that she's not here anymore, if that's even possible, whatever. Uh, and I left, I went and took a shower for a half an hour. So there's nobody here. Um, as far as I know, the cat doesn't talk. Um, or come through a radio. So it's inexplicable as far as we can tell. But when I did my best, because sometimes the sound is clearer than others, to, to discern what was being said, it, it came to me quite clearly to be a, a message with an update of exactly what I had asked to know. Somebody give me some information while I'm getting cleaned up in the other room. Some information on my mom. What happened to her, if you know, where she is, how she is.
So that was that was kind of profound, I guess, uh, for me, um, because she had knee surgery four years before she passed, and she was in pain for the better part of those four years and not happy because of it. So that was why I asked for what I asked for. And so nothing hurts now; everything's better without the pain. Was pretty specific, and I and I listened to that um, in a variety of ways to so even do a voice print just to match, just to see. Um, because it was meaningful. So well, it got me emotional right. listening to it. I was like, yeah. wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just intermittent static. You hear little little pops and bursts sometimes because we were using the long wave and long wave propagates out of the the upper part of the ionosphere. It's not a direct closer to the to the surface of the planet kind of a direct signal. So it'll bounce off, um, which is one of the reasons why nighttime would be better, especially when we're doing the long wave because of the light is energy. And so the, the particles in the ionosphere are, are busier and scattered. And so radio signal can be fragmented hitting that. If it's bouncing off of that, where at nighttime, it's more calm, you can get a cleaner bounce. And um, so that was profound because it was little pops in the reception, but nothing that sounded like speech until that. And then when that came in, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That's, I'm telling you, man, that's, that's, that's wild. And it, and how your own work gave you kind of that closure and that moment too, is just, it's phenomenal, man. That, that's just my heartstrings really, you know, it really does. It's uh, I think it touches everyone's every time he plays it, people get emotional with it because it is an emotional capture. You know? well, absolutely. Absolutely. And what it means to you is the most profound thing about it, you know, and that's, that's wild. That's wild, man. That's wild. And I still, you know, you still carry the, the, the skeptic, you know, the skepticism, you know, the, the uncertainty, we don't know. I can't, I can't prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt kind of thing. You still carry that with you. Right. Um, so I can't prove 100% that that was her or her message, whatever. But I asked for something, and that's the response I got. Um, so you know, it's it's I'm comfortable with assuming that. But you know, there's the the investigative side of me that says, "Well, I can't slam Duncan." I guess, and you see this in 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 legal settings, right? There's the <clears throat> guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt kind of cases or, or rulings in, in courts, right? And, you know, you work in, in the court system. And then there's the the preponderance of evidence being the way you lean, 
when it's not a slam dunk, but it's pretty much this. In and my it, heart, I believe it's her. Well, that's yeah. about to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna close both those topics. I definitely believe it's her, and that's the verdict. Case closed. <laughs> this is your courtroom. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So let's get into a, a story or two. We can go over time. We're running up on two hours. If you guys have time, it's fine. If not, I also want the, if there's anybody out there that wants to ask them any questions, please put it in the comments. We'll get it up and we will have them answer it. If they, if they are, if they want to answer it, if not, then they'll tell you they don't want to answer it. But if they have a question, please say it. I want to know your, with a, well, we'll ask you a couple of things. What your favorite investigation was? What was your favorite investigation that you've done? Hmm. It's a tough one, right? Because there's favorite, probably a lot of them. Yeah, because for different reasons. I mean, we have favorite locations. My favorite place to go um, is is the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, which, you know, for obvious reasons right now is closed. Um, there is a, um, a Dark Zone TV uh, event happening there at the end of October, I think, with um, – with our good friends, Tony and Shri Rathman of Entity Voices, uh, Paranormal Investigations are going to uh, have a presence there. That's my favorite place to go. Um, most consistently active place I've ever been, um, David Oman's house, the, the Oman house in Beverly Hills on Cielo Drive. That, not one time have I been there out of seven, eight times where the, the house was not just exceptionally active and something mind-blowing happens somewhere. Um, two, she's been there with me twice and both times, uh, similar. See, I'm already cute. I, I already, Shiny Hotel. I love the Shiny Hotel, uh, in Napa Knock. Yep. Right. Napa New, New York. Yep. Uh, I love, um, White Hill Mansion. Fieldsboro, New Jersey. Oh, I love White Hill Mansion. And, uh, there's a Holdman Mansion. Holdman. Also. Bainbridge, PA. Yep. And then in California, it's uh, the Queen Mary. I love the Queen Mary. Oh. And and I love Omen House. Yes. Those are my five favorite. I can That's go awesome. on. Top five. We got a top five out of it. That's top five. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Simonelli. I made it so I could see the comments. Anthony Simonelli pointed out the uh, Tell Lord is Hinsdale. Hinsdale, too. Hinsdale, too, because Hinsdale so affected me negative, negatively. That's yeah, the Hinsdale House is incredible. Um, <laughs> If you want stories, you want a story. She got she got affected there. We had a small group. It was me and four other women. There was a group of five of us, right? Yes. Um, and we were doing EVPs or something upstairs in in one of the bedrooms by the front of the house, and we're all sitting around in chairs. And so she and I and the one girl Haiti from Unseen Paranormal has her back kind of to the windows, and the other people are, are around the circle over in front of us. And she kind of, you, you watch each other, you know, she kind of goes like that. And we're like, do you hear something? And she goes, no. She does it again. We're like, you sure you, you didn't hear anything? She goes, no, I didn't hear anything. We went, but you, you you turned your head. She goes, I didn't move. <laughs> okay. I was completely wow. out of character. Yeah. <laughs> and none, nobody who knows her, like, she doesn't get loud and angry like that at all. I was like, she was affected. We get her out of the house for a few minutes. Wow. So I do the house, and then the Shanley Hotel I love because that was the first place where I was touched. So that was that was another good place, and then the Queen Mary I love because that was the first place I had my first disembodied voice. So that all these places is just you know it's it's a lot of my first in some of them, and then others is just they're so active. Like Shanley's really good EVPs. You get EVPs in that place. 
At least for us, anyway. We've had good experiences. Yeah, and that's that's part of that whole, not just intent, but if you go on that whole vibrational level and, and some people believe either spirit interaction or even attachment problems um, can be rooted in a, in a co-vibrational scenario where, where something resonates with you. Um, it's something about you that it connects with or reminiscent of or it reminds them of or something. Um, so that could be part of it too. Like we've been to Eastern State Penitentiary, which was phenomenal, but we did not get a lot of activity when we were there. Now, I would venture to say, if you spoke to most people in the community who have been to that place, that they have more often than not gotten really good evidence at that location. For whatever reason, when we were there, it didn't it didn't deliver for us. That's true, yeah. It was pretty quiet. We got a couple, of, but it's not, not like those places for us, at least for me, Shanley and the Queen Mary, you know. And then yeah. most recently, uh, we were just at Sel Selma Mansion in, in Norristown, PA, was was really good. We're, we're going over the direct radio oh, yeah. recordings now. And like at the beginning of the second file, I'm like, hey, recording, second file, blah, blah, blah. I give some stats, whatever the file number. Um, I said, well, a lot of people were kind of on a break. And then it goes, there's an EVP. It goes, who cares? <laughs> like yeah. immediately. And then radio voices followed after that and, and answered questions. But um, it's it, a lot of times it's the location that it, it you it know varies. it's a good story to tell in the omen house with uh the, the the cat toy well the cat toy too and then the cat toy is a really good story and um when uh charles manson oh all right um the cat toy one i could if i could find the video we could even play it um while you're looking for it we've got the best evp and the scariest location both by right. anthony simonelli he anthony wants to know he's a good dude um <laughs> Best EVP be hard to say. I got some really good ones at David Oman's house before we even met. But the 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 one with Charles Manson's a little it's a little to me anyway. Was just, that was that was uh when you go to the scary side that was a, a little that was a, a ghost box right when we were doing a yeah we were using the SB seven or I, it was either eleven or seven but I think it was or the Memorex hack radio maybe oh, we were running a sweeping radio now. at David Oman's house and this was um that's that's the location on the land that the Manson murders happened in 69. Not, not the same house, uh, nor does David claim that. The, the mansion was torn down in 1994, broken into four lots. Him and his dad built on one of them. Um, wow. Geomagnetically, according to the USGS, it is an anomaly. You get like positive and negative uh, 3,000 milligauss readings in two different places, like at the front door and the spiral staircase, which is non... It's just, it just shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, so, and again... Very active place. So we were there in November when Charles Manson was on his deathbed, but not quite gone. And so normally I didn't ask about Manson Tate stuff. Um, I just go and whatever the house gives me, I'll record and, and be grateful. So that specific night, because he was on his deathbed. We thought it was good news. So we asked, what happens to Charles Manson when he dies? You know, is he forgiven? And then a voice came through the radio and said, Oh, you caught me. I was reading the uh, comments and said, um, uh, we oh, yeah, want what, him. Yeah. <laughs> it's very it was staccato. Very, it was like, we want him. And Just we, like that. We're like, no further questions. So. That's I was it. like, care who wants him. You can have him. Bye. <laughs> we, we uh, well, nothing, to, nothing to do with that anymore. Okay. It was really creepy. Yeah. It was really creepy. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> that was it. The cat toy one, I don't know if we can 
find it. Uh, let me see if it's if it's if it's long. We'll spare you because we we'll, we shouldn't probably make people listen up for more than two hours. We got <laughs> um, we got another question from Anthony. It says, "Who did you learn the most about investigating?" Um, I've learned a lot about investigating from a lot of different people. It's hard to say the most from. Um, it's well, this is four minutes. I mean, I could fast forward it to where the the magic happens. Um, as far as for me, I've learned from everyone. Like, it really is hard to pinpoint who I learned the most from because I've picked up stuff from everyone that we've worked with, you know? He's one of the people asking the question who's we, we that we've with. learned from. Yeah, he's, he's 30 something <laughs> years in the paranormal. Ronnie, I mean, run down the list. Um, we had a we had a podcast. We did a thing with Ronnie Anderson. We learned stuff listening to him answer a question on that show. Roy Poole um, from New Jersey, freaking genius. We learned stuff from him. We bounce ideas off him all the time. Anthony Simonelli, um, Tony and Sheree Rathman, um, Katie and Steve Holte, um, who are ITC uh, practitioners and builders. Um, the Bandoffs from Barefoot Paranormal, um, EVP New Jersey. It's so hard because I don't want I mean, to forget anybody. We don't want to leave anybody Flip, out, but Flip Searle. Flip, yeah. Have him on your show too. Flip Searle, um, he was a former corrections officer. He's, he lives in Gettysburg now. Um, ITC and EVP guy like like what we do. Um, I turned him on to the direct radio voice stuff a little bit too because that guy um, for us has the most attuned ear to EVPs that we have ever met. He'll hear it. And then play it at a public event, and people are like, I don't hear it. And, and then they'll play it over and over and over. And then they go, Oh, there it is. I hear it. He heard it the first time. He's so good at it. He's conversational with it. I think his approach, I think, invites um, so responses and stuff. Um, Man and Josie Haas. There's so many people that we can mention. We've Haas learned it, yeah. from, from everyone that we've worked with, we've learned from. For direct radio stuff, one of the bigger influences for me has been uh, Dr. Annabelle Cordoso. She's in Spain now. Um, she originally was the first female diplomat of the country of Portugal. She worked with greats like Marcello Bacci with his vacuum tube radio, um, with the Foys who were part of the skull experiment. Um, to me, she is ITC royalty. Um, I've had the, the honor and privilege to talk to her on the phone as well as I've had conversations a little bit with, with Mark Macy, um, who's an ITC practitioner from Colorado. He's not active anymore, but, um, both of whom have done unprecedented work. So, I look at that and I go, if you want to stand uh, on a platform, you should know what it is. And, and usually that platform is what, what came before you. And because we didn't invent what we do. So we look at the, again, you brought up the history as a historian. We look at the history of ITC, of direct radio, EVP, and, and we want to learn what they knew and what they did. And that was where we came across the fact that the direct radio voice stuff predates ghost box stuff but it's not like it faded out because it was a developmental stage towards what works uh, the, the sweeping radios the franks boxes the sb7s 11s and hack those things are all offshoots um the orion talker we got the katie halte made is, is an offshoot of early direct radio or evp stuff and she's brilliant and the box works but we were curious about how this art form of direct radio did so well and you don't see it and my best guess is that we live in a country that is uh, instant gratification driven and um we a lot of times digest what we get from pop culture and you see the sweeping radios 
on TV and they do produce what we do. And I tell this to every single time um, we talk about it. What we do is a grind. We sit and listen to white noise static for an hour or so once or twice a week. Then we have to listen to recordings of that same static and hear it again mm-hmm. um, and experiment with how we do it. And, and that's, that's a dedication and a grind. It's not, you just turn it on and we're hoping for the, just turn it on part, but you know, until you get to that, it's, it's a labor of love. It's, is that because as a country, it's true. We we want that quick, that quick response. Of course, you know? of course, everybody does. Right. So when we do the, what I love about the Red Radio Voice is the purity of it. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, you're gonna sit there for hours and you may not get anything. But when you get something, the purity of it is it's to me. It's like that's why I love just EVP getting a voice. From just out of the blue, is is that same kind of concept for me? It's the same kind of thing because the purity of it is just amazing when you get an actual response. And I love the sweeping box radios too. I do. I think they're great. I love the Orion box. That's that's awesome. And that's not sweeping radio. That's more you know fragmented noises and 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 yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yep. Right. But um, and and we get great responses, and it's awesome. It's great. But the purity of that direct radio voice, even though, yeah, we sit there for hours listening to yeah, 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 yeah. But when you get that response and it's clear, it's fascinating to me. Right. Yeah. That's why I love, I love that radio. I love that radio. (laughs) Something you said there was super profound. And I want to point it out to people because it's to a historian or to anybody who's trying to learn how to do something specifically, it's so important, and we forget this all the time, that you have to know the history of what you're doing because it sets the foundation and the fundamentals in which you grow that idea. And as you move forward, you're using that base, that foundation, that historical facts to get and build upon and make better. than where you, And that gets you to where you are today. And that's so important. You know, a lot of people, especially right now in this country, people want to forget, you know, they want to forget who came first and history repeats itself. But in the same token, you build off of that foundation. It's all of it right. Maybe not, but it takes you to that level of where you are now and you build and build and build until you find that success in what you're doing now because of those fundamental roots and values that showed you that you're building upon. And I think that's so important, no matter what it is you do in everything in life, always look at the people who come before you because they're usually onto something that's giving you the ability to do your something right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a good point. It's a misconception too to, to always assume that, and this, this is, a, I think a mindset that may be culturally in our country, but maybe not exclusively um, to assume that, everything that we're doing now is developmentally ahead is a progression is a superiority to those, whether it's parents or people who came before us. Um, that is not, it's not always the case. And that was, that was an eye opener for me when I started researching direct radio was that I have not seen on any collection of, of television shows, evidence that rivals what Marcello Bacci got on a vacuum tube radio um, consistently. 
And whether or not he has mediumistic capabilities that factor into it may be a part of it. But the the evidence uh, that the, the harsh fishbacks got in Luxembourg on their fax machines, on computers, before they were even networked to the outside world, the vocals, in the, the visual stuff, visual ITC is a whole other thing, too. We do the um, the Schreiber method. Klaus Schreiber did something with it called a video feedback loop. Now, people do it sometimes with water. Uh, there's there's offshoot variations of how to do that. It's it's staggering, not only what you can do, but what they already got. So even if we think these modifications to these methods are steps forward, or even if they are in some way because they're experimental and they're new, um, we have not, similarly to the, the history that you'll see with the Egyptian pyramids, right? You have first dynasty, then you have second dynasty, and then third, and then the, so they say it was like the red pyramids and then the step pyramids, and all of a sudden, boom, the great pyramids, they got it perfect. But then if you look at the dynasties that came after that, those pyramids are in ruin. So if it was a progression, like the way cars came about, it would consistently be an uphill, better, 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 better. But the pyramids went from not so good, a little bit of ruin, perfect. And then the next generation, they forgot. They got, how does that happen? So that's that's a, that's a, a sobering thing to, to, to be cognizant of, is that not everything happens as a progression. So when we look at early ITC stuff and direct radio stuff, we see stuff that we're striving to get to not build on and not improve on. Um, I, if we can equal what they did, that's, that's Miller time as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you guys want to get to this last video before we sign off? If you want to show the the um the, the Omen House one, sure, show that. Whichever one, I, I see you got one queued up down there. Is that the one you, or do you want to just say forget it? It's up to you guys. We can show it real fast if um. Yeah, show it, and then what we'll do is I'll go into my little spiel of uh, telling everybody where they can find me and all the rest of it. You and then what what we do at the end of this show is I'm going to turn it over to you guys, and you'll get the last segment. And you say whatever you want, whatever it may be. If you want to tell everybody hello, goodbye, whatever it is. So you get the final statements of the show, and I'll sign off before you do, and then it'll just go to you full screen, and we'll be on our way. Just for people who don't know anything about the show. So, Okay. I mean, we can. I can try to start it here. I mean, if I cut part of it off, but it's, it's like a four-and-a-half-minute video. Um David Oman has a cat toy in the bottom level of his house. You enter on the main floor, you go. It goes down two levels, not up. Um, and the bottom area is very uh, disorienting sometimes. As far as I think, I think it's because of the EMF. I think um, not fear cage levels, but it is. People a lot of times have to get out of the basement and go upstairs because it, it, it messes with them. And so he's got this little cat toy down there. It's just us down there. He's got cameras throughout the house. We had exclusivity to his house this night. Um, as he gives us whenever we go, he's very kind to us. And there's a cat toy on the floor. Um, when Lourdes walks away from where you see a big burst of light in the back of the frame, um, when she walks away from that, her foot hits the cat toy at first because it's in the dark. Um, we later went over the footage with David and we, we debunked the first blink. But then what we checked was to see if this device had a recurring flashing function to it or if it needed to be touched once it stopped blinking to blink again. Um, it turned out to be the latter. Uh, once it blinks from, from impact, 
it stops. It won't start again unless something touches it. So there was a couple of instances when we were asking it to uh, asking spirits to touch the ball to make it light up, and they did. Um, it was, and then at the very end of this, and I'm trying to get it so it's you don't have to sit through the whole thing. Um, there's a keyboard at the back of the room where the and the, the reason the light's really bright is because it's an infrared camera, <laughs> and that's an IR light facing the lens. Um, right next to that, on that bar in the middle of that glass wall, is a um, like a little toy keyboard. Um, we're not near it. Nobody touched it. It doesn't have anything programmed to go off at a certain time. But when we thank the spirits for doing the, the cat toy thing and saying you don't have to do that, we appreciate it. The, the keyboard plays a jingle completely on its own. That's awesome. <laughs> now, man, up to see this video. Let's let's get into this one. This is that seems let's wild. See. Let's see if I, I try to go like a minute and a half into it, so it's um not too long, but even four and a half is not. I don't want to miss the good stuff. So let me start here. Because we realized afterwards the first light up was her foot. But then after that, we're nowhere near it. And it stopped blinking and then did it when we asked. So, Which may be before this, but okay. Yeah, the, the time that we debunked that you might have done it is probably right before this. No, because I think you asked a question even after that. and it's, But it's all right. It just started from there. Would you light the ball up if you would like it? Stay here for a few more minutes. Would you like him to play the piano again? Really appreciate you doing that with the ball. We have nothing but respect for you, and the fact that you do that makes it feel very mutual, and we appreciate it. We know you don't have to do that for us. That was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. So that was kind of, I came in a little late, a little late in the game on it, but I wanted to mainly show the, the, the keyboard part was most impressive. The cat toy lit up when we asked a couple of times, you heard me thank them for doing it. And then that little jingle on the keyboard, there's nobody near it. There was no animals near it. There was nobody, we weren't near That's it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was wild. That was wild. But you know, I, you guys do phenomenal work. But you, all your investigations, they seem super thorough, and your all your videos are fantastic. I mean, I just really, I wanted to thank you guys for coming on. I think that this was an, yeah, an awesome, awesome episode. One of the best that we've done so far. Video evidence, the stories, the science, the history. We did it all. You know, we hit we hit all cylinders tonight. And, and a special that, appearance from his son. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We got the whole family involved, which is what it should be. It should be that. And just, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm going to give you guys the last word. I just want to touch to the audience real quick and say, you know, if you haven't joined our group on Facebook yet, we have a full spectrum universe group where we interact, we share articles. If you haven't gone to the YouTube yet, please go to YouTube, type in full spectrum universe. You could subscribe and hit the bell. 
We're trying to defeat the algorithm and get to the top of the list. We want to get our subscriptions up so we can basically bring you better shows. It's also, we have a subscription service. So if you like what we do here and you, ha- you want to get some extra content, we have Patreon slash patreon.com slash full spectrum universe for as low as $2. We have uh, probably somewhere between 12 and 15 extra, extra episodes and videos for everybody. But what we do is we take guests. We bring them on again. We do an extra behind the scenes. Look, some are a half hour, some are an hour. It's really fun. It's a lot. It's really great stuff. If you have a small business, you want to advertise with us. We have a specific tier for that as well. If you know anybody that has a small business that wants to advertise for a hundred dollars a month, there's not a lot of people out there who you could advertise with at that rate. Also, if you are on this seeing RU Media, please go there, like, follow. RU Media is one of the premier. Uh, we they also have shows that they do on the internet as well. They have a YouTube site. We also have a Facebook site. So at this point in time, we're going to stop with all the selling ourselves. We're going to give Ron and Lourdes the last word of the show. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Please come back next week at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time here at Full Spectrum Universe. And it's all you guys. Go ahead. I just want to thank everybody for watching, everyone who tuned in. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, we want to thank, um, for sure, the RU Media Network of Full Spectrum Universe for having us. Um, everybody who watched, our friends um, who tuned in, and any other friends that tuned in, or any of your friends who tuned in, I want to encourage uh, those people if they have subscribed and uh, support uh, through Patreon or otherwise what you're doing. I want to encourage them to keep doing that. Um, the quality of what of what shows like yours and other ones that we're involved with, like Entity Voices, Paranormal Evidence. Uh, Strange Oddities podcast, um, KGRA Radio, Dark Zone TV. Um, we don't plug anybody for any other reason except that we admire what they do, and it's we're part of the community, and so everybody wants the community to rally behind them to you know to support what they do, to like, share, and anything else. But you gotta you gotta put something into it. You gotta realize that that this, there's more to what goes on than just what your involvement is. And and I think that's one of the things that we love about Entity Voices Paranormal Evidence is that we get to watch other people's evidence and hear other people's stories every week. And it's fascinating to see stuff that other people get that's like what we got, that's it's unlike great. anything we've ever got. Um, yeah. So it's a continuing, exciting, and educating kind of experience that just that we're super grateful to be a part of. Yeah, so absolutely. Make the time... This is my advice to everybody out there, especially if you do paranormal stuff or media, where make the time to show somebody else the love and support that you want. And then just walk away from it. And then in some way, shape or form, I, I believe it, it does come back to you. Yes, absolutely. We want to thank you for having us on. Yeah, we appreciate too. that. Thank You've been you. diligent about, about communicating with us and, and uh, offering to, to put us on a show, which every single time we do a show anywhere, uh, very, very grateful yes. to have uh, anybody willing to listen to us babble. I know. And we're <laughs> babblers. You. We are babblers. I'm half babbler on my father's side. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you get along well. <laughs> yeah. So we appreciate it. And then, and of course, thanks to my to my son for, for hopping yes. on for a Thank- couple minutes. Definitely thank him. He was he was phenomenal. It was awesome. It was awesome. I, I was supposed to be giving you guys the last word. 
Yeah, no, no, no. This is good. This is. Uh, I forget sometimes when I'm having conversations about stuff about uh, metaphysics and subatomic particles, and I'm talking to a 14 year old. I'm going. <laughs> I got to brush up on some stuff or I'm going to fall behind. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. He was talking above my head for a little while. I was like, Dan, Dan. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, it's our job to impart what we learn and then listen because we learn from people who are newer than us sometimes at stuff um, as much as we learn from people who've been doing it longer than us. That's it. Yep. Absolutely right. I'm a student. I'm a student of what I do. I'm not an expert. I, I'm not a, a, a. I've been called a guru. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm an enthusiast instead of guru, and, I, and I'm a student. I, I you know I will student teach if somebody wants to learn what I know. Um, but I'm pulling up a chair if I can learn from you. That's it. Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you guys again, everybody out there in in uh, podcast broadcast land. This has been another amazing episode of Full Spectrum Universe, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.